I've been chastised this morning already for wearing a tie. <laughs> well, you don't need to jump on me. But I wore jeans, and I felt like I needed to compensate for the jeans. <laughs> and so that was my compensation. <laughs> uh, it's good to be able to share with you again. I look forward to the next few moments we have together. I don't know you that well, so anything I say is not about you personally. It's generic or general in general. Don't be offended by anything I might say because I'm not here to offend. I'm here to encourage. If you're offended today, it's because the Holy Spirit had something to say to you, not me. God has something to say to us today, I believe. I believe this is a day in which he wants to speak to us. I don't know how he'll speak to you, but in the preparation, through the preparation of this, he has spoken to me in a few different ways. And I hope that comes out today. Uh, for you as well as it has for me. This is the last day of 2017, men and women. At 12.01 tonight, we begin not just a new day, we begin a new year, 2018. That's incredible to me. I have in my life set baselines. Do you know what a baseline is? We all have them. We may not call them that, but a baseline is a minimum performance. It's a starting point, if you please. 2017, we kind of set a baseline in our lives. What did we do? What have we, what have we done? What did we accomplish? What did we left undone? A baseline is also a unit of measurement in financial terms, in athletic terms, or different categories and, and disciplines in which it is also used as a, as a measurement, a, a basic measurement term like last year I ran the 100 yard dash in 15 minutes <laughs> this year I'm going to run it in 14 minutes my baseline is 15 I'm going to improve it to 14 I'm 68 years old if I want to take 15 minutes to run 100 yards I can do that right but this year I want to run it in 14 that's going to be my new mark all right you got that so are we together so far all right, here we go then. Hebrews 12, verse 1. This is a passage I've wanted to preach for a while. I've been looking at it for probably years. I've never preached it in all the 30-plus years I've done ministry. But the last few years, I've looked at it, and I did a little outline on it and stuck the outline in my Bible, and I'd be cruising through my book, my Bible, and there'd be that outline. I'd read the outline. I'd read the passage, fold it back up, a week later, a month later, a year later, I'd read it again. Today I get to preach it. I'm looking forward to this. Therefore, and whenever you read the word therefore, you need to see what it's there for. Since we are, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Question, who are the witnesses? That's a valid question. Who are the witnesses that are surrounding us? That, the picture is a, a, kind of a Roman Colosseum with all the spectators and the athletes are on the main floor, on the field, and there are all the spectators, all the witnesses to the race. And this is kind of the picture we're looking at here in Hebrews 12. It's a race, and we have this great cloud of witnesses, of spectators, if you please. Who are they? Well, whenever you want to interpret Scripture, 
you don't go someplace else. You look at what's around the passage that you want to interpret. And here, in Hebrews 12, we just go back a chapter and we'll look at what's there. And then if we need to, we'll go to 13 and see what's there. And we'll find out maybe who this cloud of witnesses is. Let's go to 11. I'm not going to read it. If 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter, Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter, and I'm just going to kind of call out some verses and hit a few high points, and we will read just a little bit, and I think we'll be able to determine who the witnesses are. In verse 4, chapter 11, it says, By faith, Abel. In verse 5, By faith, Enoch. In verse 7, By faith, Noah. In verse 8, by faith, Abraham. In verse 13, all these people were still living by faith when they died. I think I would like to title this, ser- this sermon, if I were to ever put a title on it, Living by Faith Till I Die. Would that be a nice inscription on a tombstone? He lived, she lived by faith till he died. I've never even thought about that, really, until this week. Is one of my purposes to live by faith till I die, or is it just to get through this moment, this hour, this crisis, this situation, this year? Is that all I'm trying to get through? Or do I have a bigger purpose of living by faith till I die? Will it be said of me that that might be the case? I hope so. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Verse 30, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. (laughs) By faith, in 31, the prostitute Rahab. Can I do a sidebar right here? We need to do a sidebar. I'll step over here so we can do it on the side. When you write a resume, I've only written one or two resumes in my life. When you write a resume, do you put the bad stuff right up front or do you kind of shuffle it totally out of the resume and just bring in all the good stuff and maybe even gloss it over just a little bit more than it really should be well (laughs) in the resume of christ matthew first chapter the genealogy of christ when you read the genealogy of christ you would think that these the genealogy of christ would contain nothing but the best hebrews because he was a hebrew a great Hebrew from the line of David. You know who you find in the fifth chapter in the genealogy of Christ? A Gentile female prostitute. That's right, Rahab. I wonder if in life it's not so much about all that you've done, but it's about in, but it's more about in whom you have believed. After a certain point, it is about whom you have believed, your faith. There's old Rahab in the genealogy of Christ, and here she is in the book of faith, the chapter of faith. Pretty cool. Let me read verses 32 through 38. Just, well, it's part of it. I'll, I'll get tired and we'll go on to something else. As we look for this cloud of witnesses, and what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, 
who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength. We can go on and on as he kind of outlines who these men and women of faith are. And then he moves to chapter 12 and he talks about our cloud of witnesses. A cloud of witnesses. The Bible interprets itself. It is those we find here in chapter 11. It's also those who have written this New Testament, this new part, this new covenant. It's also all those that have lived in the old time and the new time and died living by faith. It's all the saints. If your mom and dad were believers, they are in that cloud. If they're gone. Those who have lived and walked by faith, who have died, who have run the race, who have done the job, they are in that cloud of witnesses. And they cheer us on. You and I who are still left, who are still walking the face of this earth, they cheer us on. They encourage us to continue to walk by faith, to continue to run your race, to finish well. They cheer you and I on. That's the first part. Let's go to the second part. Let us throw off everything that hinders King James' weight that weights, as in heavy. Let us throw off everything that weighs us, that, that is weight, and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Weights and sins hindrances and sins let's talk about that for a moment what does that mean they're not the same thing no they're not the same thing a weight is not a sin and a sin is not necessarily a weight a weight is something probably more internal to you and to i it's something happening in my mind or in my heart or in my habitual motion it's something that I'm about, but it is not defined as sin. You being Baptist, if you are Baptist, you know what sin is probably as well as anybody. It's the Ten Commandments. We talk about it all the time. We, we rail on it. We confess it. We deal with it. We try to get rid of it, and yet our world is full of it. And a sin is a sin regardless of who commits it. If you committed, it's a sin. If I committed, it's a sin. A weight is not a sin. If you committed, it may be okay for you. It may not be okay for me. Does that make sense? We're all wired differently. And so what might be a weight for you, something that hinders you, might not be a hindrance to me. So... Weights and sins. In our lives, there are things that hinder each of us, but not all of us. And there are things that entangle us. The picture is, again, of a race. We're all running a race. And in that day, men and women wore basically the same length of garment, almost to the ground. But the picture is of a race, and so to be unencumbered or to be not weighted down, John was a swimmer in high school, 
John, would you go swimming with a parka on and try to win a race? No. Any of you run track? Did you run it in combat boots and heavy fatigues? No. What did you do? You got down to the barest of minimum. What was legally allowed. <laughs> and in that day, in that Greek-Roman culture, it was a loincloth if you were a man. You didn't run the race of, of any race with a long flowing robe. Why? Because you get all tangled up and find yourself on the ground. You would ensnare yourself or entrap yourself in your garment. And you would not be able to run the race effectively. All right. So the picture here is of sin that entangles and weights that hinder. Sins entangle, weights hinder. If I'm swimming in a race, I'm not going to swim in my Levi's, in my Wranglers. I'm going to rip them off so I, it doesn't hinder me. Okay? doesn't weigh me down. And then there's a sin. You know what sin is. Let's talk about it for just a moment. If you want to run the race of your life well, there are four things that you must do when dealing with sin. Are you ready for this? First thing you must do is you must name the snare or name the sin. Name what entangles. Name it. Lying, cheating, gossip, gluttony, immorality of any kind, of all kinds, lust, jealousy, anger, rage. Name it. Just name it. Oh, this is also interesting here in 12. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily, easily entangles. Could I be so bold as to say there may be something, a sin, that is part of your experience that may not be that that you tend to that keeps reoccurring that you struggle with continually for maybe years and years, decades and decades. It's the easy sin. It's the sin I fall into when I don't fall into anything else. It's the one that trips me up. I don't know what it is in your life. I know what it is in my life. I've named it. And I've named all the other things in my life that, I've called, that I call sin, that God calls sin. We both agree on those. I've called it out by name. Have you done that? Let me suggest to you that until you do, if you just pray, God, forgive me my sins, you're missing the whole point. You're missing the mark. You're not getting there. There's a world full of sins, and God knows them. But are you willing to know them and call them by their ugly name? Until you do, you will not remove the sin problem in your life, which will continually plague the race issue, running the race in your life. And you will find yourself continually entangled. Would you like to be free? First thing, call your sin by name. Second thing, be willing to get rid of it. Now, here's the other deal. This is a big deal. This isn't a little. This is a big deal. It's the sin that so easily besets us. It's a sin I've made friends with. I've accommodated. I've explained it away. As well as all the other sins. But it's the sin that I'm okay with. 
It's not that big of a deal. I'm handling it. (laughs) You must, not just name it, but you must have a deep, abiding desire to be rid of it. And until you have that desire to be rid of it, it will continue to plague you. Do you hear me? So what do you do? When my sin is my friend, what do you do? Well, you can go to counseling. You can go fly fishing. You can go bowling. You can go home. You can take a nap. You can go to God. The most powerful being in all the universe, the one who started it all, the one who will finish it all, the one who is all, and say, Father, I like my sin. Give me the desire to hate it as you hate it. Fill my heart with what is in your heart towards my action, my sin. If you're willing to do that, you're willing to run the race and live by faith till you die. If you don't do that, you're just dinging along. Dinging along. So, the second thing, ask God to give you the desire, the desire to be free of that sin, that snare. Thirdly, repent of it. 1 John 1, we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the easy thing, men and women, I used to do that every day of every week. Confess and forgive confess and receive my forgiveness confess confess there needs to be more than confession there needs to be the desire to move away from there has to be that and then fourth fourthly ask god to replace what was the old thing the sin thing with a god thing that's part of the repentance process you're going this way and it's wrong You ask God to forgive you, that's good. But until you turn and head back towards God, grasping for God to give you the thing that needs to be there in your life to replace that thing, it's just forgiveness. It's washed away, but guess what? When the tide comes back in, it's back in your life. Repent. Make that motion towards God. Keep going that direction. Grab what he has to replace what you are getting rid of in your life. If you don't, your condition will be worse after than it was before. Remember the demoniac? The gathering demoniac? Got rid of everything, but if he doesn't put the Christ stuff in his life, the God stuff in his life, his condition will be worse at the end than it was before. Don't get yourself in that bind. If you're going to repent, if you're going to move towards God, don't do it half-heartedly. Move towards God by grabbing hold of God, taking everything he has for you, replacing all the old with the new. Don't be half-hearted. Okay? I told you this wasn't going to be, I needed to be careful with what I had to say. All right. If it's a weight, that's a sin. If it's a weight, if it's a hindrance, what might be, a weight for me may not be a weight for you. You might be able to eat one piece of chocolate and be content. It may take me a box, and then I need to find another box. 
See, it's okay for you, but it might not be okay for me. I may not find contentment with that one thing, but for you, you can. Do you kind of get the idea? All right, so, solution. Anybody here not self-talk? I've been preaching, I've been talking to you for 25 minutes, and you've been talking back to me, but we can't hear you. You say, oh, that's good. Oh, that's garbage. Oh, you're so dumb. Oh, man, when is this going to be over? We, you and I are having a run-in conversation, but we only hear one side of it. Your side, my side. You're listening to two conversations, ah, yours and mine. So when we talk about weights, you need to ask yourself some questions, and I know you ask yourself questions all the time. You need to go through your life, step by step, piece by piece, appointment by appointment, calendar by calendar, thing I do by thing I do, and ask yourself the question, is this a weight or is this a wing? Does this help me or does this hinder me? Well, I'm going to sit down this afternoon. I'm going to watch the Bronco game. Guess what? I probably won't ask that question until we're 20 points behind. Is this a weight or is this a wing? I got a feeling it's going to be a weight. Okay? It's going to upset me. I'm going to have a bad evening. It's not going to make my tomorrow any better. It's a weight. It's not a wing. You need to go through your life and ask yourself that of everything in your life. Is this a weight or a wing? Does it hinder me or does it propel me forward? It's a simple thing. This thing I'm doing, this thing I'm saying, this thing I'm wanting, this thing I'm being, is it a weight or is it a wing? What is it for you? That's how you go through your life. Go through and ask yourself the question. So, who has set this race? Not me. If I'd have had a choice, I'd have said, I don't want to participate. I don't even want the trophy, the participation trophy. Don't want it. But we did not have a choice. We do not have a choice. We will not have a choice. You are in the race, want to or not want to. Who has put you in the race? So we can find somebody to blame. God did. He put you in the race. Blame him. Why? Why, God, am I in this race? I don't want to be in this race. Tough. You're in the race so that you might look more like Jesus. Well, how do I run this race? <laughs> Glad you ask. Let us run with the King James word, patience. The NIV word, perseverance. I like the word patience better. Let us run with patience. The race, look at this for ordination here. The race marked out for us. You've been foreordained to run a race marked out for you by God with patience. That's how you run the race. When do I run the race? Every moment of your life. You get no time out. I get no time out. That's the race. When I was, I can't remember if I was 50 or 55, 
I thought it would be a good idea to run to Boulder Boulder, just to see if I could. I didn't weigh what I weighed today. I was about 25 pounds heavier. <laughs> yeah, not a good idea. So I started training really early. Uh, the race is on Memorial Day, and I think I started like, that was, that's a Monday, and I started Saturday before. Not really. <laughs> I started training like two months earlier, riding a bike, running the, the trail over here behind Cottonwood, running the tracks, different places. If I could find stadiums, I'd run the stadium, chess, stadiums and stuff. So I ran and got myself in shape where I could do the six point whatever, two miles. And I went to the race. I asked some guys, what about this race do I need to pay attention to? And they said, well, you'll enjoy the bands. And the last running into the stadium, that last half mile is uphill. I said, it's uphill? Yep, it's uphill. So you got to save something for the, for the last part or you're going to be walking into the stadium. And I'm thinking the last thing I want to do is be embarrassed by walking into the stadium with all those people in the stands. Everybody's going to finish basically in front of me. I already know that. So everybody's going to be in the stadium. They don't know me, but they're going to know the guy that finished last. So I took off. I'm way back there in the back, 20-something thousand runners. I'm 20-something thousand number and we run and we run and uh, about uh, two miles in I decide I'm going to walk a block and then I pick it up and I run another two miles and I decide I think I'm going to walk a block drink some water listen to the band so I did that and then I picked it up and then as I saw the hill coming I thought you know I don't know if I have enough to get up that hill with a jog I think I'm going to stop and drink some water. There's some water at the bottom. Grabbed the water, poured it down. <laughs> Took off running. <laughs> <laughs> ran and jogged and ran and jogged and hurt and wanted to cry like a little baby and call for my mama and ran and jogged. Finally got up in the stadium where it was level. Went all the way around the stadium. Finished the race like in 14 days. And... <laughs> There it was. I ran the race. 50, 55, I forget the age. I'm thinking about doing it again. Not really. <laughs> the thing it was about that race, patience. I could have started out full blast, but I knew that it was a long race. I knew I wasn't in quality shape to run that race. I ran it patiently, and I ran it wisely. And I finished. Did I finish well? Oh, crud, no. There were people that ran that race my age that did it in half the time or less. But I finished the race. You see, men and women, it's not so much about how fast or how many trophies you get in running the race. It is about finishing the, the race well. Within what you've been given, with that place in your life, finishing the race well. Some of you are just now starting and you're older some of you are younger and you're starting and you have this, in, this ability and this resiliency to be able to run the race and run it well for a long time. And I encourage you to run your race and to run it well. When I need help in my race, what do I do? Well, it's snowing, guys. I'm sorry, that distracted me. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When you need help, 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. Do not grow weary. Do not lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Remember these things. Tomorrow begins a new year, a new chance, a fresh beginning. Remember your baseline, whatever it might be. Make it a little better this year than it was last year, if not a whole lot better. It's a performance. It's a measurement. Define your baseline and reach a little beyond. Remember the audience. The saints are watching, cheering, encouraging, desiring for us to finish the race. What are you going to do with this new year, with with this new opportunity? In 2017, one of the things I did was every time I went fishing or every time I went hunting, whether it was for a day or a half a day or ten days, I read the Old Testament. That was what I felt like I was supposed to do in 2017. There were other things I needed to do, but that was one of the things that I can tell you about. Every time I went, I spent my morning up until breakfast, hour, 40 minutes, an hour and a half, reading through the Old Testament. That was a fun time. I looked forward to it every morning. In the evening, if it would rain, or in the afternoon, if it would rain, I'd read the Old Testament. I spent my summer, my spring, and my fall, when I was fishing and hunting, in the Old Testament. That was one of the things that God laid on my life for running the race in 2017. Back a few years ago, five or six years ago, this is a kind of weird. I was asking God, God, what do I do? Where do you want me to read now? And he said, basically, not a verbal thing. Okay, when I say he said, it's just something in my spirit just kind of quickened. And I had the sense that God wanted me to read Ecclesiastes. I've read it two or three, four, five, six times, but I've never really read Ecclesiastes. And so I, I had the feeling I needed to read Ecclesiastes, so I read the Ecclesiastes. I read it, it took me about a week, and I'm done. And I felt like God said, read it again. And I read it again. And I felt like, okay, I'm done. Well, I read it again. So I read it again. Three times I've read it now. It's taken me about three weeks. And then, this is the weird part. I sense that God said, I want you to read it every day for 30 days. Okay, I can do that. It takes about 20 minutes, 25 minutes to read it, maybe. He said, and read every part of it, not just the underlined parts. You know, we get in a habit. We, we mark up our Bible, and then when we read our Bible, we try to find the underlined stuff because we like that stuff. And we read the underlined stuff. And we leave all the stuff that's not underlined unread or just per- cruised over. So for 30 days, I read it every day. Why am I doing this, God? He said, now, after I finished the 30th day, I felt like he said, now study it. You mean now I can underline? Yeah. So I got to underline, and I got to deal with the language and the tenses and pull it apart and put it back together and that was a lot of fun a lot of fun and then i wanted to know why am i doing this never got an answer well i did for me to become a wise wiser person that's what it's about it was for my good not for anybody else's good. You see, for 30 years, everything I read in the Scripture, I read for your, for your good, not for my good. That's basically kind of the mindset you can get into. You spend time in the Word, and you think, well, this will apply to 
oh, James or Susie or Sally or whomever it might be, I need to preach this. It's good for them. In the last few, several years, I've been learning I need to do the work of the Word for me and me alone. And if it flows out of that into somebody else's life, that's great. You read the Word for yourself. The race you run is for yourself. The faith that you live is for yourself. And if it flows out of you to someone else, that's great. That's wonderful. That's a blessing. But primarily, this is what I've learned, in 60 years of being a Christian, it's for you. God did it and does it for you. Not for your neighbor, not for your mate, not for your children, for you. And if it flows out of you, bubbles out of you, all the better. But if not, it's for you. You got that? Man, that helped me a lot. I, had to quit ask, I got to quit asking the question, why am I reading this? Why am I doing this? Who does this apply to? It applies to you, dummy. <laughs> it's yours. Take it. It's yours. Oh, that's so cool. It's for me. You forget that sometimes. At least I did. You know what's on the top of my list for this year? The top of my list for this race, 2018, in the next three weeks, the top of my list is Marvin. You say, who's Marvin? Marvin is an old guy that's about this tall, and he has a handlebar mustache that comes down below his chin. He wears a black cowboy hat. He's 73 years old. He's an operator like I am down at the National Western Stock Show. He runs front-end loaders and skitters and all kinds of stuff, just like I do. And Marvin is a guy that went through NOM, and he ran up and down the Macon Delta in those Navy boats shooting 50 cows and trees and stuff. He's a little twisted. He didn't come out of that the way he went in. And about two weeks ago, we're sitting around lunch one day, and Marvin says... I'm going to hell. That's where all my friends are. Listen, if I ever turn up missing, Dan, don't put my name, my, my picture on a milk carton. Put it on a beer carton. That's the only way that my people, the people that know me, are going to find me. They're going to know I'm missing. He's that kind of a guy. He's a rough guy. He's a real rough guy. I'm going to hell. That's where all my friends are. And he's kind of glad. And when that happened, the light came on in my brain that that lights went on and it basically illuminated the fact that I don't think Marvin knows what hell is really all about. He thinks he's going to be able to see. He thinks he's going to be able to identify people in hell. Let me tell you something. Let me, just for you, this is another sidebar. I'm sorry. I'm running out of time. I'm going way too long. Another sidebar. There is no God in hell. God is light. There is no light in hell. It is permanent, deep, dark darkness filled with pain. I'm going to, not for Marvin's sake, even though he's the object of my, what I have to do, for my sake, because I'm going to have to answer to God, God has laid this on my heart. I will be judged if I don't do this. 
by God. This is part of my race. Do you get it? This is becoming a part of my race. I have to talk to Marvin about hell, and I have to tell him about hell, and then I have to tell him how to get to heaven, and then I have to tell him any time, night or day, you want to talk, call me. Here's my number. I've already talked to a lot of the guys down there. That's the beautiful thing about being a a guy that no longer stands behind a pulpit but actually works in the world. You get to talk to the world every day, interact with the world every day. That's that's fun. I'm finding it incredible fun, especially the rough guys. They're a lot of fun. And we have a lot of laughs. I have a lot of opportunity. If you're out there in the world... If you're not a preacher full-time, if they, if they don't pay you to be good, you're good for nothing like the rest of us. He's paid to be good. The rest of us are good for nothing. You have all kinds of opportunity to be salt and light. In 2018, that is your potentially your race. So let me wrap it up. This next year, are you going to be chasing after God or are you going to be chasing after the wind? Ecclesiastes. It's your choice. You're going to be in a race. You're going to be chasing something. You're going to be chasing after God or are you going to be chasing after the wind? Paul wrote to young Timothy, 4th chapter, 7th verse. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When we close out next year at this time, on the 31st, are you going to be able to say, I have fought the good fight. I have, I have done it all. Everything God asked me to do, I've done, and even, even a little more. What are you reaching for this year? Wind or God? choice is yours let's pray together father god i thank you for your word and how it's alive and living and how it transforms and how it convicts and how it changes us if we let it and not just informatively but also at the very gut level of our being it changes us it gives us values that we didn't have before it, gives, it opens our eyes so that we see things we've never seen before. It opens our heart and softens it so that we feel things we've never felt before. I pray, Father, that in each of our lives, we would use 2018 for your glory, that we not, would not just coast through it, that we would actually be proactive in it, and we would achieve the things you would have us achieve for your glory and for our good. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.